Numbers chapter number 13 this evening. And as you're turning there, you know, I don't know if anyone in this auditorium this evening has the problem of being overconfident. I doubt anyone here has ever been overconfident, actually. I know I have, though, and especially as a teenager, I was very overconfident. You know, I used to tell, say things, oh, I could do that. I remember one instance where I got myself in trouble. You see, we were on a mission trip. We were on an Indian reservation, and I was the oldest one there. And we were taking these kids on a hike, and a bunch of us, we had walked across this creek, and on the way after we passed the creek, a bunch of us were saying, hey, we can jump over that. Now, these guys were younger than me. They were shorter than me. I'm the biggest one in the group, and I'm like, well, if they can jump across the creek, I can't let them out, outshine me. And so I said, no, no, no. I know I can jump across that creek. I know for a fact I can. So we get back to the creek, and my buddies, they're jumping across, no problem. I think, well, I've got to do it now. So I, I will back up as far as I can, run as fast as I can, jump as high as I can. And just because you're six foot four doesn't mean you can jump as high or jump as far as other people. I realized that mid-flight. I realized mid-flight, I am not making it to the other side of the creek. I landed smack down in the middle of the creek. Now, thankfully, it was shallow, so it was only like ankles that got wet, my socks, my shoes. But you know, I was overconfident in my abilities. Tonight, though, we're going to look at a man who really everyone would say, Caleb, you're overconfident. Caleb, you're being overconfident because Caleb stands in front of everybody and tells them we can do something that seemed impossible to everybody else. We're going to look tonight and see how Caleb was not overconfident because Caleb wasn't trusting in himself, his own abilities. He was trusting and relying on God. We'll begin reading here in Numbers 13, verse number 27. Numbers 13, 27 says this, And they told him and said, We came in the land where thou sentest us, and surely it flowed the milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. And the seas are walled and very great, and moreover we saw the children of Anak there. The Malachites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with them said, We're not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to search is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of a great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. Go back to the end of verse 30. Verse 30, Caleb stands in front of everyone. He says this. He says, we are well able to overcome it. This evening, when I look at that phrase, we are well able to overcome it and say, how could Caleb say we are well able to overcome it? How even more importantly today, we as Christians, we can say the exact same thing, that we are well able to overcome. But this evening, before we jump in the message, let's pray. Most gracious and loving Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for the opportunity to come, Lord, and to present our ministry. But even more important, Lord, to open the Word of God and preach this evening. Father, you know the hearts of the people here. Maybe there's someone here who is lost and on their way to hell. Father, convict them of their sin and need of a Savior this evening before it's eternally too late. But also as Christians, Lord, that you'd work in our hearts and we'd realize that we are well able to overcome in our lives. Pray this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. I'm sure many of you are very familiar with this passage of Scripture. You've probably, if you've grown up at church at all, you've heard this story. I mean, 12 men went to Sfan, Canaan. 10 were bad, 2 were good. So I want to challenge you tonight when you go home. 
We have a little bit of time. Take and read Numbers 13 and Numbers 14. For time's sake, we can't read all the passages, but I want you to read the story to get the context and see what happens. But basically, at the beginning of chapter 13, Moses gathers all these guys together, and, and he picks 12 of them, one from each tribe. And Now, these weren't just randomly selected. These were leaders. These were men who should have known better, who should have known how to trust God, who showed themselves faithful. And he sends them into the, into the promised land and says, hey, I want you to go spy out the land. Basically, he said, go take a survey. Go tell us who lives there, what kind of armies, what kind of walls, what kind of food, what kind of animals. But you know, you never hear Moses one time say, hey, come back and tell us how we can't do it. It was the promised land. They're supposed to go in. And these spies, they go into the land and they come back and, you know, I don't think they went in saying we can't do it. But somehow by the time they got back, 10 of them were saying we can't do it. And they came back and if they would have just stopped at verse 27, everything would have been fine. At verse 27, they said, oh, you're not going to believe it. We came to the land. It flowed with milk and honey. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Look at the fruit. Look at all we brought back from it. But they didn't stop there. They would have stopped. It would have been good. They said, nevertheless, we can't do it. We can't go in there. There's, there's some armies. There's some walled cities. There's some giants. We cannot do it. And Caleb hears this, and Caleb says, no. Quiet. Everyone be quiet right now. No, no, no. Let's get our army. Let's go right now. We are well able to overcome it. How could Caleb say that? The ten spies were against him. The children of Israel were starting to murmur. They are starting to say, oh, no, 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 we can't do this. How could he say that? First thing I noticed is Caleb was trusting in God. His trust was in God. Caleb wasn't relying on his own ability. He knew he couldn't do it. But, you know, he wasn't even relying on Moses' ability or Aaron's ability or Joshua's ability or the army of Moses. He said, no, there's only one way we can do this, and it's because of God. And I'm trusting in God because this is the promised land. Caleb trusted God, but, you know, sadly, the ten spies, they doubted God. But as I said, I don't think they went into the promised land when they went to spy. They didn't go and saying, oh, we can't do this. I think they were excited. I think they went in thinking, okay, we've got this. We're going to go in here and we're going to take this land. But something happened. So what happened is they came to that first city. Maybe it was Jericho. They came to Jericho and saw their army. They saw the walls and they thought, this is going to be tough. Then a little bit further, they saw some more armies. They saw some giants. They started saying, oh, no, 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 we can't do it. What the problem with the ten spies was? They were focused on the problem. They were looking at the problem. They were looking at all the bad things. And they kept dwelling on the problem. And guess what happened? As they began to dwell on the problem, the problem began to grow bigger and bigger and bigger. And in their mind, their God got smaller and smaller and smaller. So they said, we cannot do it. And they got to the place where they blew everything out of proportion. They said, everybody in the land is bigger than us. I don't think that was true. But see, they had this mindset that because they were looking at the problem, they blew it out of proportion. Because of that, they doubted God. So how often do we as Christians do the same thing in our own lives? And instead of looking to God, we look at the problem. You go to the mailbox and you get the bill in the mail and you start looking at the, the problem. You start dwelling on, on the amount of money you owe and you think, there's no way I can take care of this. There's no way this is going to happen. You start looking at the problem and you start thinking about the problem in your mind as you think about the problem, it grows bigger and bigger and bigger. And sadly, you forget about God. You, you don't think about God and God is growing smaller and smaller. You go to the doctor, you get that diagnosis that's not very good. And all you can think about is what the doctor had to say. You think, well, there's nothing I can do. I mean, I'm in trouble here. You dwell on the problem. Or God's asking you to take a step of faith. Maybe it's as simple as share the gospel with a coworker, Invite someone to church to go on a mission trip, to get involved more in the church, to start something you're out of the church, and you're looking at what God's asking you to do. You start looking at all your deficiencies and say, I can't do that. I could never, I don't know what to say. 
And we start dwelling on the problems. As we dwell on the problems, sadly, God grows smaller and smaller. But we shouldn't be like that. We shouldn't look at the problems. We should look at God. We should trust and rely on God because we serve a faithful God who is well able to overcome. And that was Caleb's mindset. You see, Caleb, guess what? Caleb went into the same promised land. He saw the same giants. He saw the same walled cities. He saw the same armies, but he had a different conclusion. You want to know why? Because he was looking at a bigger God. He wasn't looking at the problems. He was only looking at his God. You know, maybe he went in and was a little bit afraid. I would have been. I mean, you go in there and you see, ooh, giants. Ooh, Jericho. Ai. All these cities. These look tough. But you know, as David said in Psalm, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. I believe that was Caleb's mindset. You know, I may be a little bit afraid how this is going to work out, but I'm just going to trust God. You know, I don't know what trials or tests or what difficulties you're going through or what steps of faith God is asking you to take right now, but I want to challenge you. Don't look at the problem. Look at God. And start looking at God. And as you begin to look at God and trust in God, guess what happens to those problems? God begins to grow bigger and bigger and bigger. And those problems, those trials, those tests, they grow smaller and smaller and smaller. Where you can think, you know what? God is well able to overcome. Why? Because you're trusting in God. You're relying on God. Don't doubt God. Trust God. God. We serve a faithful God. We can trust him. The word of God tells us we can. We've seen God work in our own lives and it should allow us to trust God and think, you know what, I'm just going to look to God in this problem instead of look at myself or look at the problem. Challenge tonight first to trust God. And that's how Caleb, the first reason he was know they were well overcome is because he trusted God. And secondly, I want you to jump down to verse number 8. Verse number 8 of chapter 14. Numbers 14, 8 says this. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us in this land and give it us a land which flow with the milk and honey. Caleb said, hey, if God's with us, if God's on our side, he's going to bring us in. And what he's saying here is Caleb knew what God could do. Caleb, you're saying, I know what God can do. I've seen what God could do. And you say, well, how did Caleb know what God could do? Well, let's back up and go all the way back to Egypt. Guess who was there in Egypt? Guess who watched the plagues take out the world power of the day, bring it to its knees? Caleb was there. But you know what? Caleb wasn't the only one that was there. The ten other spies were there. The children of Israel, they were there. They saw what God could do that day. And guess what? They leave Egypt. I love what happens as they leave Egypt. As they're leaving Egypt, God comes to them and tells them, hey, I've got a, there's a quicker way to get to Canaan. There's a quicker land, way to get to the promised land. You know, have you ever pulled up your GPS? You know, GPSs give you like two or three different ways to go. I don't know anyone who ever takes the hour and 30 minutes longer, two hours longer. I'm not the guy that picks that way. I can't on deputation. I got to get from point A to point B as quickly as possible. But God says, you know, there's a faster way, but I'm going to take you a longer way. There's one reason. I want to prove to you that I'm God because you're going to face some trials and tests. You're going into the promise and I don't want you to get there and be afraid of what you're going to face. I want you to know who I am. And they get to the Red Sea. God brought them that way prove he was God. They get to the Red Sea and they begin to complain. They say, Moses, why did you bring us out here? You brought us out here to die. And Moses says, no, no, no. Let's see what God can do. Stand still and see what God can do. God parts the Red Sea. They walk across on dry ground. The Egyptian army is, is destroyed that day. It's in shambles. But God said, I had another purpose for bringing you this way. Not only to prove to you that I'm God, but he wanted to prove to the Egyptians that he was God. And God's purpose many times for bringing things and doing things in our life is one, to let us know what God can do. But he also wants the world to know that he is God because God loves the world. He wants him to come to him. But you know, what's really sad here, and God continues to keep working in the children of Israel time and time again after battle, providing them food, taking care of them. 
And they get to this point, and God has done so much for them. God has taken care of them time and time again. And yet, the ten spies and the children of Israel, instead of knowing what God could do, they had forgot what God could do. They forgot what their God could do. And because they forgot and made them doubt God, they forgot what they did. They, they acted like God couldn't take them in. God wasn't going to work for them. God wasn't going to fight for them anymore. Because they forgot. And you know why I believe they forgot? Because instead of praising God, they are too busy complaining. Because what do you, what do you read time and time again as it, the children of Israel murmured against the Lord? They were complaining. Oh, the man is not good enough. Oh, we're, we want some meat. Oh, this is bad. We need water. And all they're doing is murmuring and complaining. And because of that, it causes them to doubt God. It causes them to forget what God could do because they're focused on themselves instead of focused on God. So how often do we as Christians do the same thing? How often are we guilty of, instead of praising God, we complain? And we complain about small things. We complain about these things that really don't matter. And when we complain, guess what happens? We're not remembering what our God can do. And it causes us to doubt God. It causes us to forget what God can do. And it causes us to think, well, God can overcome. But you know what? Let's be like Caleb. I want to challenge you to know what God can do. You know how you do that? Instead of complaining, you praise. You praise God. I believe Caleb was constantly praising and thinking of all these things God did and kept praising God and kept bringing it before God. And many times we as Christians, one of the things we forget to do a lot of times is praise God. We forget to thank God for all that he's done in our life. And many times we forget to thank God for who he is. But I want to challenge you. There's a great way to to fix this. I want to challenge you to get yourself a praise journal. Get yourself a notebook or if you have a smartphone, a tablet, you can get get an app on there and make it your praise journal. And all you do in this journal is you write down when God does something, when God answers a prayer, when God works in your life. But you know what you do is just keep it written down and leave it away. Put it back on the shelf. Every now and then, get it out. Maybe once a month, every couple weeks, pull it out and have a praise day. And on a praise day, guess what? You get your Bible, you get your praise journal. All you do is thank God for who he is. That's what the Bible's for. And you thank God for what he's done in your life. And guess what? As you do that, it gives you the confidence to know what God can do in your life. And guess what? You may be in the midst of a big trial and test. But you look back and say, you know what? I've been in some pretty big trials and tests myself in my life. But I've seen God overcome. And you think, wow, this is a big, big health scare. This is a big health difficulty. But you look back and say, but I've seen God answer prayer before. You look at God asking you to take a step of faith, and then you're like, well, this seems impossible. I don't know if I could do that, but you look back and see how God's asking you to take steps of faith before. And every time he's overcome, and every time he's come through, it helps you know what God can do, and that gives you the confidence to step out in faith. And when I started deputation, one of the questions I got all the time was, Brady, how do you know where you're going to get your support raised? We're at the end of deputation. We need about 20%. I get the same question. Brady, how do you know you're going to get your support raised? How do you know what's going to happen when you get to the country of Turkey? The truth is, I don't know. But you know what? I know the God who holds my future. I know God has called us to the country of Turkey. But you know what? I know what my God can do. I've seen God work in my life. And I could, I could spend the rest of my time up here testifying, telling you story after story after story of how God has worked in my life. And he's shown himself faithful. One time that stands out in my life. I was in Bible college. In Bible college, God had put in my heart to go to England for a semester. Now, this just wasn't a fun trip. This was college plus a mission trip. And so I tried to raise the needed funds, but I was a little bit short. The college had mentioned that there might have been some, some um, scholarships available. They weren't sure. And so I just went down in faith, you know, hoping that they'd have some scholarships. So I got there, had this meeting. At the end of the day, they pulled me to the side. They said, Brady, said, you're supposed to leave tomorrow to go to England, but you need $2,000. 
You're not going to be able to go unless you come up with $2,000 right now. And I was like, well, I got $2,000. You told me I have to have $2,000 in my savings account for spending, for travel expense. I'll give that to you. I'll go live on complete faith. They said, no, 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 you can't do that. You've got to have money. You've got to get around over there. So they made me a deal. They said, here's the deal. We'll let you go to England with only $1,000 in savings, so you can give us $1,000. But you have to come up by 9 o'clock tomorrow morning on an additional $1,000. I looked at them, and I smiled, and I said, I'll see you guys tomorrow morning. And I walked away and turned away, and I said, why did I say that? I didn't have $1,000. I didn't have it. I had $100. That is it. That is all the money I had in my savings account. And I said, okay, okay, what can I sell? What can I get rid of? I'm a college student. I don't have anything to sell. Worth value can't get rid of anything. So I'm like, okay, God, I need you to do something. So I called my mom to tell her to move the money from savings to checking. And I said, mom, I need you to pray. So God's put in my heart to go. I believe he's going to provide. I just don't know how. Begin walking around the Bible college, quoting verses, praying to God, asking God to do something amazing. I get a phone call. I answer the phone, and it's a lady over in England whose husband's in charge of the British division there. And she said, yeah, you know, someone over here heard you had an email. As I'm hearing the conversation, I'm thinking, well, praise the Lord, $100, $200, we're going the right direction. And she said, they want to give you $750. I about dropped the phone. I've never had anything like that happen before in my life. But you know, have you ever had God start to work and you still doubt in the back of your mind, though? It happened right there. As I was getting off the phone, I'm thinking, yeah, but I still need 150 more. But God's like, Brady, I just gave you $750. What is 150? What's amazing is how God works. See, my mom's in. She didn't know this. My mom's in. She had asked people to pray at my church I grew up in. She began to pray. God began to impress on their heart to give $5 here, $10 here, $20 there. And before she knew it, she had an additional $150 with my 100 So she had $250. I had $750. I called her up and told her, and she said, you're joking. I said, no. She told me how God had given them $150. I said, this is amazing. And then three, within three hours, God provided $1,000 I needed. I look at that and say, I know what God can do. Because I know what God can do, guess what? As we go to the country of Turkey, I know that God is well able to overcome and help us learn the language. I know as we go there to plant churches and train men, that God is well able to overcome in the country of Turkey. Not because of who I am, but it's because of who God is. This evening, I want to challenge you. Know what God can do in your life. Don't forget what God can do. Because that gives you the confidence to take a step of faith. It gives you the confidence to take that next step of faith. It gives you the confidence to take the next step of faith. Because you've seen God work in your life. Many times, though, we'll forget what God can do. And sadly, the children of Israel, the ten spies, they forgot what God could do. They doubted God. But Caleb, he trusted God and knew what God could do. And lastly, verse number 9 of chapter 14 says this. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us Fear them not. What they're saying there is, look, you know those walled cities, those armies? The bread, simple, easy. But there's only one reason. Caleb said that. God is with us. Caleb knew God was with them. Caleb said, God is with us. But sadly, the children of Israel, they forgot God was with them. You know how, what the children of Israel acted like? Here's what the children of Israel acted like. Okay, we're here. We're on this side of the Jordan. We're on this side of the promised land. But as soon as we cross over, God's just going to leave and abandon us. He's going to forsake us. He's going to leave us behind, and we're all in this by ourselves. But you know what? That's not the type of God we serve. God we serve says this in Hebrews, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He says in Matthew 28, Lo, I am with you sometimes, occasionally, once in a while. 
It doesn't say that, does it? It says, lo, I'm with you always, even honey in the world. Amen. I love that verse. Twofold reason. One, it's a promise to us as Christians. God is with us no matter where we are. But he gave it right after he said, hey, go take the gospel to the world. As you go take the gospel to the world, guess what? I will be there with you wherever you go. And guess what? As Christians, we can know that God is with us. And Caleb, he knew God is with them. You say, how did Caleb know God is with them? Because God had been leading them by a pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And really, if they had probably looked over the tabernacle, depending on the time of day, they would have seen pillar of cloud or pillar of fire. But sadly, the children of Israel, they forgot that God was with them. They thought God was just going to leave and abandon and forsake them. But you know what? Instead, Caleb said, no, no, I know God's with us. We can go into the promise. And why? Because God is with us. But you know what happened? The children of Israel shortly realized God was with them. Because guess what happened? God came down in the midst of them, and he was not happy. God came down and said, all right, Moses, I'm done. I'm done with the children of Israel. They've tempted me ten times. They won't believe me. They won't trust me. They don't know what I can do. I'm just going to start over with you. I'm killing them all. And Moses says, God, don't do that. What will the Egyptians say? What will the Canaanites say? There'll be a reproach to your name. And God says, fine. Here's what's going to happen, though. Anyone from the age 20 and above is going to spend the next 40 years wandering the wilderness. And they're not going to get to go in the promised land. They're going to die before they get in. The only two people from this generation that's going to get in is Caleb and Joshua. Everyone else doesn't get to get in. They do not get to see the promised land. And an entire generation, an entire generation missed out on what God had for them. That was supposed to be their promised land. That was supposed to be their victory. They were supposed to be the one to tell how they took over Jericho and how they defeated Ai and how God worked. But instead, they missed out because they doubted God. They forgot what God could do, and they forgot that God was with them. And what's really sad, though, is it wasn't like they were thousands of miles away. They were right there. They could probably look in and see the promised land. They were not far away from it, and they missed out. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be like the children of Israel. I don't want to miss out on what God has for me in my life. I don't want to miss out. But I think many times, Christians, we miss out right before because we doubt God. We forget what God can do. We forget God's with us. But you know what? You don't have to, be, you don't have to miss out. You don't have to be like the children of Israel. They are the bad example. We don't want to be like them. You know who we want to be like? We want to be like Caleb. And Caleb's story, as we close, I love this, the end of his story. Numbers 14, 24. Let's read what God has to say about Caleb. I love what God has to say about Caleb. Numbers 14, 24 says this. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and hath followed me fully, him will I bring a land where he went, and his seed shall possess it. God said, hey, Caleb had another spirit. He distrusted me, and guess what? I'm going to bring him into the promised land. Caleb's story is in here. Caleb spends the next 40 years wandering the wilderness. He's watching everybody that he grew up with die. Then at the end of 40 years, they go in the promised land. For five years, he helps them fight and battle and take the land that's theirs. And at the end of five years, Joshua is now dividing up the land, saying, all right, guys, I'm up in age. You've got to finish taking the land that's yours. And each tribe's going and taking theirs. And in comes Caleb to talk to Joshua. Oh, I'd have loved to see this conversation. Because it's the last two of a generation. The only two that trusted God. The only two that were left from their generation. And in comes Caleb and Joshua. Basically says, how can I help you? And Caleb says, you remember about 45 years ago, God made me a promise that I could have a possession. Joshua said, you can have anything you want. And Caleb looked. 
And he pointed and said, you see that mountain there? I want that mountain. Now, you know, normally if you're going to select land, if you're going to select property, you've got a reason for it, right? Normally it's because, oh, it's beautiful. Maybe it's got good waterways. Maybe there's good hunting ground. Maybe it's fertile. But Caleb said, I've got one reason alone for going to that, that mountain. I want that mountain. Because of who lived there. You know who lived on that mountain? The sons of Anak, the giants, the ones that made the children just say, we can't do it. And Caleb said, 45 years ago, we could have had this promised land. I'm going to go up there and prove that 45 years ago, God could have worked. But you know what? I'm 85. I'm 85 years old. God is still the same God. I'm going to go up there and prove that God is still God. Caleb goes up to that mountain. And he defeats those giants, proving that 85, God was still the same God. And that God was still well able to overcome in his life. I don't know about you, but that is a man of faith and a life of faith. I want to be like Caleb. Just to keep trusting God and keep trusting God and keep trusting God until it's my time to go. No matter what is in front of me, just keep trusting God and say, God, I know you're well able to overcome. That was Caleb's heart and mindset. I believe that can be our mindset as well. I believe you this evening can have that same heart and mindset from the youngest in here to the oldest. You can just say, you know what, I'm just going to keep trusting God. I'm going to keep knowing what God can do. I'm going to keep knowing that God is with me. And as I know God is with me and know what God can do and trust God, I know that I'm well able to overcome. We're well able to overcome as a church. I don't know where you're at this evening. A crowd this size, I'm sure some of you guys are going through some hard times, some difficulties right now. And you're looking at those difficulties and you're thinking, Brady, you don't know what I'm going through. And the truth is, I may not know what you're going through. But God knows exactly where you're at right now. And he's looking at you and he's saying, just trust me. Just step out in faith and trust me and I'll show you that I'm well able to overcome. So why don't you come tonight and say, you know what? This is a tough time, God. This is a hardship. But I'm just going to trust you. And I'm going to see how you're well able to overcome. Maybe you're here tonight, and I'm sure many of you already know what God's asking you to do. God's asking you to take a step of faith. He's asking you to do something, and you know exactly what that is. It could be as simple as what you're giving, a little bit more. It could be as simple as share the gospel with that coworker. Invite that person to church. Hey, take the gospel to that the lady at the grocery store. You could go a little bit further. Maybe God's asking you to get involved in Sunday school, or get involved in a ministry that's already going on in your church. Or go out Saturdays on soul winning. Or maybe, you know, it's something even bigger. And you say, God's asking me to do something. Well, get with your pastor and say, Pastor, I want to do something for God. I'm sure your pastor has a list of ways you can serve in the church. You're, you're thinking, I can't do it. There's no way I could ever do any of those things. But why don't you step out in faith and see how God is well able to overcome in your life? Maybe a step further. And if there's one, or maybe there's several in the, in the auditorium this evening that God's working in your heart and saying, I want you to give your life to full-time Christian service. I want you to serve me with your life, whether that's to preach, to teach, to give your life as a missionary. And many of you probably thinking, oh, I could never preach. Huh. I could never be a missionary. I could never do that. I can't speak. I don't know what to say. I could never learn another language. You're looking at that and saying, there's no way I could do it. But you know what? God took Caleb. What's amazing is how when God described Caleb, he didn't say, Caleb, super smart, super spiritual, this awesome, wonderful dude, this great guy, this strong dude. Then he said, you know what? He just trusted me. He relied on me and me alone. Guess what? That can be you. No matter who you are this evening, God is well able to overcome. And let me tell you, that's my story. You know, I'm nobody special. I'm the last guy that anyone would have picked to be a missionary. See, at six years old, I almost failed kindergarten. Kindergarten. Letters, shapes, numbers, you know, the easy stuff? Yeah, I almost failed that. reason why I was diagnosed right after that was severe ADHD. Caused me learning disabilities. Caused me issues, caused me problems. Caused me to be very shy and introverted, though, as well. 
At 13 years old, I was about to get kicked out of Christian school. Had some pride and anger issues, and it was causing issues in my life. Thankfully, God got a hold of my heart at 13 and said, Brady, I want your life. I said, God, whatever you want, I'll do it. I don't know what that means, but in the back of my mind, I thought, God will never call me to be a missionary. I could never do it. A few months later, I'm sitting in church camp. That church camp is clear as that. I know God was working in my heart. I said, Brady, I want you to give your life to preach, and I want you to be a missionary. I said, God, you got the wrong guy. You're two seats too far over. That's the guy you want. That guy over there, he's got the talent. He's got the abilities. He can speak. I can't get in front of people and speak. But I said, okay, God, if that's what you want. I don't know how this is going to work. I'm just going to trust you in my life. And the only way I'm here tonight is God, time and time again, has proven in my life he's well able to overcome. I want to tell you this. Right before I started deputation, just over two years ago, I'm severely introverted. I am not an outgoing, talking person. I'd be the guy, I'd rather just sit in the back and be like, hi, hello, that's me. But I'm going to be a missionary. You can't be that guy as a missionary. You're meeting new pastors, new church members. You've got to talk to people. I said, God, I can't do this. God, I cannot do this. I need you to do something. And God has proven himself faithful and proven that he's well able to overcome in my life. And my story isn't the story of Brady. You know what my story is? My story is the story of God overcoming in my life. And guess what? That can be your story as well. Whether God's calling you to full-time Christian service or just to serve him here in the church, you can have that story of God being well able to overcome. God wants that to be your story. You want to know why God wants that to be your story? Not so that you can get in front of people and say, Oh, look at how spiritual I am. You know why God wants that to be your story? So you can tell others and share for others and say, can I tell you how good my God is? Can I tell you how God is well able to overcome and how God has worked in my life? God is well able to overcome. He wants to work in your life, but you've got to be willing to trust him. You've got to be willing to know what he can do and know that God is with you. And this evening, I'm sure God is working on hearts and lives. Why don't you step out in faith and see how God is well able to overcome in your life this evening. Love what it says at the end of the verse. We are well able to overcome. You are well able to overcome, and guess what? This church is well able to overcome. But you have to have God in the equation. God is well able to overcome in your life. Let's pray this evening.